This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus-Cheek and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. What's going on Chelsea fans and we're back for another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I'm here joined by Jesse Parker Humphreys as always and um, you know we're here to talk to you about the new WSL schedule that's been released and you know what maybe we'll give you a quick update on uh, how the Chelsea players are doing during the Euros and we thought you know what let's let's scout some of the competition because you know the season's getting close the fixtures are out we might as well start figuring out you know who have everybody? Who has everybody else signed? How are they? Are they any good? Are the teams going to get better? Are we going to have more competition? You know, all these questions are uh, are to be answered. But we're not doing this alone. Um, we got a we got a really special guest here today, uh, Tracy Brown. How are you doing today? I'm very good. And how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's a it's a warm day. It's forty degrees. Out here. It's basically that here I mean, at this point. Not, so I know. I was about to say. When you get over here for yeah. the Euros, it's going to be fine. Like you won't notice the difference. I know. Actually. Exactly. It's just pretty much. I was escaping the hot weather, and I'm just entering the same weather again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's home away from home, really, at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, it it is what it is. Um, but yeah, like we said, we're we're going to go over the schedule, quick Euros update, and. Uh, what I am going to now, I'm going to read out the actual title of this section because it's very well written. Keeping up with Joneses, you know, it's basically spying on what our rivals are up to, which I think is, uh, is a very apt title. But anyway, um, let's just get into it. Um, WSL fixed schedule. I mean, let me just quickly run through the games because it's not a ton. So then we can, we can get our first reactions on it. So we had the first game uh, on the on the weekend of the 10th or 11th of September, uh, playing West Ham at home as the opening fixture, followed by Liverpool and then Manchester City at home on the 24th, 25th. So big game over there. Uh, heading into October, we've got Everton, Brighton, Villa with the classic Brighton. We're going to drop one to three points because it's Brighton. Uh, and it's also away from home on the 22nd, 23rd. In November, it's, it's just a casual uh, trip to, you know, Manchester United and then playing Spurs at home. Uh, December, we've got Leicester and Reading uh, heading into the new year. It's Arsenal and Liverpool. February is Spurs again. Um, March, we've got Brighton, uh, United and City back-to-back, which I think is probably the hardest back-to-back game of the season. And then in April, we go Villa, Leicester and West Ham. And to finish off in May, it's Everton, Arsenal and Reading. You know, I'm going to ask you both very quickly, Jesse, with you very, very quickly. What are your thoughts, initial reactions on the fixture list, you know, beginning with West Ham and kind of finishing off with Reading away? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, with the caveat that you play every team twice, but broadly, I think it's a good fixture list compared to last year. I think, you know, last year, starting with Arsenal, finishing on Man United, felt like a lot of pressure. And I think, you know, to start on West Ham... Finish on Reading. Okay, we've got Arsenal penultimate week of the season at home, but that's fine. That just means we're going to win the league title at Kings Meadow against Arsenal. Sweet, done. So I'm feeling good. I like it. <laughs> it's a good schedule. Congratulations, WSL computer. <laughs> I can see the uh, I can see the love for the schedule right there. Tracy, Tracy what are your initial thoughts on, on the schedule? Again, I personally agree. It would be lovely to snatch it for a fourth time in a row at home against Arsenal right at the end of the season there. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a comfortable start for me. I'm not even worried about uh, Man City at home, to be fair. Um, 
you did mention Brighton away. We've got to break that at some point. Let's be fair. Um, I'm really tired of playing, really tired of playing Brighton and Reading, to be honest. Um, It's it's a decent, decent start, in all honesty. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair. I'm going to quickly come back to you. I mean, obviously, it's good to be avoiding City and Arsenal on the opening weekend. You know, what do you think? It's 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 a good ease. I mean, last year we saw what happened when we played Arsenal, kind of opening se- opening game of the season. Obviously, put Chelsea on the back foot. But yeah, you know, obviously it's it's a good thing to avoid them. Yeah, what do you think? That's a great thing to avoid them. But remember, they did have an extra player. The extra player happened to be the Lions person who decided to give them the biggest offside goal that's ever been seen in women's game ever. I mean, to be quite honest, yes, it's great that we don't have to start with that. But let's let's forget that actually Arsenal got like a three point lead from nothing. So you know, and and they still didn't win the league. So you know, nothing to be worried about. False hope, just give, giving teams false hope. That's how that's how Chelsea rolls. Giving teams false hope. Um, Jesse, what what's caught your eye on the schedule? I know, I know, I know. Brighton's a, a big one, but but what else has caught your eye? Brighton away, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think the the I guess the kind of fixtures that stand out is that there's like a back to back, but it's not really a back to back because there's obviously international break in between uh, with United and City in March. That obviously look and Brighton as at home, which isn't you know that's been a problem too. So that could be a bit of a bogey month there. I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think these things that these things are always tricky to to figure out because once you start slotting in cup games, Champions League games, things start to flesh out where you start to see the the trickier bits. And you know, as I'm hoping this year, we will make it out of a Champions League group. Fingers crossed. Yes, we we all need to travel. We all need to get on a plane, follow our girls abroad, yeah. and that's what we need. That's and all we I want. Good travel. I went around Europe this spring just to watch football teams I didn't support and it was lovely, but come on. So then I think, you know, once we've got those kind of fixtures coming in, we'll start to see how the the year actually flushes out. But yeah, I think, I do think avoiding Arsenal and City is, is good for us. I'm glad like they can have a nice draw or something and then we'll just get that kind of boost to start the season and, and get things rolling. Fair enough. I, I I think I mean I agree with all of that. Tracy, very quickly, you know, if you've got piece of people listening who haven't either watched much of Chelsea Women or maybe haven't been to a game before, kind of what fixture are you saying and recommending to them that they they've got to they've got to catch that to uh, to really get a good taste of, of who Chelsea are? I think basically I think our home game against Man City is right at the beginning of the season. If you're gonna talk anyone into coming to King's Meadow, um, you'd throw a big name in there. And I suppose you could call Man City big, I suppose sort of really maybe sort of thing maybe that game fair enough it is it is quite it is quite uh quite an big game so it's fair enough but you know kind of just to quote what jesse said in the beginning at top of the show you play every team twice really there's nothing much more we can really add on to that so i think we're gonna quickly move on to a quick euros update let's just find out what what the girls are up to and all the different teams kind of where everyone's at you know and it's I think it's fair to say it's been a it's been a mixed bag for the players, you know, at the Euros to say the least, for, for some more than others. Um I think we might as well just get the derby out of the way, the Chelsea Derby. You know, four of our players involved in, in the England eight Norway nil. Uh, you know, and obviously two of them were a little bit happier than the other two, uh, weren't they, Tracy? Oh wow. I again I don't think we just stop smiling to be, to be I don't think anyone has. 
And I think as every goal went in, we were like, what is happening? I mean, I've, I mean, just the faces around me sort of said everything, expecting it to be a tight game. I'd said 3-1. I was damn sure they were going to score against us. And then that happened. And I'm, yeah, I mean, we it, it was just, you know, everything goes right in a game of football. It bounces right. It's just everything goes right. That was that game. We can just continue that to the final and win it or when be that great. Um, but it was, oh, I said an unforgettable night in, in Brighton. So, Fair enough. Um, I mean, Jesse, it kind of wasn't Marin Mielda's best moment in a football shirt. I mean, what do you think this might might mean for her time at Chelsea? Does Emma Hayes look at this and go, "Ooh, can I can I can I really trust you?" Or is this just kind of a one off in, in, in a weird way? Listen, Norway are a dumb team who do dumb things. To be totally honest, and I think a centre back parent of Marin Mielda and Maria Torres Put it this way, people had pointed out ahead of this match that it maybe wasn't the smartest idea in the world. I don't, you know, I think Marin's obviously spent time coming back from this injury. I think it's amazing that she's been able to captain Norway for this this tournament. I don't, you know, think, I think there were points where that didn't really look like it was necessarily going to happen. Um, so it was maybe brutal as the experience has been. I still think that's like a great thing for her. And, you know, I, I think... I think the the thing that's a shame maybe from a Chelsea perspective is I would actually have liked her to see how what she's looking like at right back because that's where she's sick. And I still think there's room for her in this Chelsea squad to come back and be a starting right back, potentially. But we're not really getting to see that. Like, it doesn't really surprise me that playing centre-back in a back two, especially when you're kind of having to marshal Maria torres plus, you know... Fullbacks who aren't fullbacks, fullbacks are wingers. Like, it's a tough job, put it that way. I personally think, well, I think you'll, you'll see the making of Marin in the next game when you see you have to pick the team up from that. I mean, that must be incredibly difficult to pick a team up from an 8 0 loss. But that's where, you, that's where you really see the strength of someone. So the next game will tell. All right, we can only hope that. Um... That Marin picks it up and and, and and powers them through to the next game. But you know what? Um, you know, Tracy, we haven't really got to see Beth England or Jess Carter just yet, you know? And do you think they'll get some minutes as the tournament goes on? Is tomorrow the game that, that we turn on and we see those two start for the first time? If them two do not start tomorrow, I am climbing over the barrier, walking up to the manager and going to shake them. <laughs> um, to be fair, I am surely frustrated that they didn't even come on. I mean, I get it. We were in a really good role and the team, but we made substitutions. And then to just like sat there and didn't move off the bench and they have to start tomorrow. Look, we've got a, we've got a manager now who's not really into making substitutions that much and likes sticking with the same squad every single time. So I pray to God that actually, I mean, I think Beth comes on, she can have a weldy of a game uh, tomorrow. So fingers crossed we see them. And but Jess has been in phenomenal form, could have easily been, was so close to being my player of the year last year, but it was actually Guru for getting the score that just happened. Um, I'd, I'd love to see them get the opportunity to play. I've got bad I news, to. I think. Um, I, I saw Tom Gary tweeted earlier that from Serena's press conference that she's like not going to make changes. So 
I can understand it. From she's not she's known. She's known for not making changes. She likes sticking to that same team consistently. And I get it. I I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it. You know, obviously, it's a shame from a child's perspective because, and I feel sorry for Beth that Alessia's so clearly become the number two. Um, yeah. because I, I I've said this before, but I actually think Beth is the perfect blend of Alessia and Ellen. Um, I think Ellen and Alessia yeah. are two very different forwards, but I think Beth can do what both of them do. And I mean, I don't know, maybe there is still room for her later in the tournament. Jess, I feel a bit differently about because I think actually, to be fair, Lucy Bronze is is playing a blinder and I can kind of see why if you feel like she's fit enough, like you you want to keep her going. But yeah, it is a bit of a shame. I guess maybe the only thing might be that the subs are a bit different tomorrow, even if the starting 11 isn't. But yeah, as as Tracy says... Serena, Serena likes likes to stick with the the group she's got, and I think it makes sense in a tournament this small only. Yeah, no, I th- I think I, I think I agree, and I think I think I can see the logic behind using probably the same three four subs pretty much in these games because if you're going to have any injuries or changes, it's going to be whoever's being subbed on are the ones who are going to start games if the first choice eleven are available. You know, Ella Toon, Alessia Russo, uh, Alex Greenwood. You know, from a, from a defensive point of view, so I can see why. But it would be nice to get a couple of the uh, the fringe players into into the game, and you know because you never know injury could strike in a couple of positions, and suddenly you need to you know you need to go into a lot of women boy, or you need to go into a Jess Carter and get them into. And if they haven't had even you know, 15, 20 minutes of tournament football, it might be a little bit difficult. But we move. Um, Jesse Frank Kirby in at number ten. I mean, what do you say? I mean, it's, it's been a, it's been a blinding start for for a player that hasn't played a competitive game before this in, in a couple of months. Yeah, I'm so chuffed for her. I've just got to say, I've had so many people complain that she shouldn't have even been there. I hope they're like sitting there crying in the corner right now. Seriously. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great great to see, and I think what's amazing about it is, you know, look, we all know that Frank Kirby's one of the best in the world, and. I don't think there's always been times that England managers have known that. And I think, you know, to see her start, to see, obviously, Serena stick by her, even though she hadn't had the minutes, even though, you know, she's had the fatigue problems. It Put it this way, Serena clearly knows ball because that is who you should be starting as, at your 10. And I think what she's done in this team maybe hasn't been recognised because there are players like Beth Mead who are just, like, banging the goals... But I think how she has tied the midfield and the attack together has gone really under the radar and it's been absolutely fantastic. And hey, that assist for the goal against Austria, it was the only goal. It was like exquisite. I understand why more people are talking about that. Like she literally just chipped the entire defence for Beth Mead to run onto it. Like it was amazing. I've just... um... Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching Frank Kirby as as a number ten, and I think she's kind of embodied the way, um, you know, Weigman wants a number ten to play, and and it's and it, you know, but but the, at the same time, I could even say that you know, even though, and this is a this is a compliment to Frank Kirby and how good she is that both Ella Toon and Georgia Stanway playing in the number ten are also really really good and they fit the, the philosophy. Fran has just has just been playing at another level. You know, I think three, four assists already in, in, in two games. I mean, it's 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 the kind of form that I think I'm Hayes is gonna look at and go, right, that's that's the friend that we need back. And um and kind of may, maybe a random question, uh, Jesse, but like, do you think this maybe prompts in some way Emma Hayes to think about shifting to a formation that has a number 10 and, and maybe using Kirby there instead? 
Well, put it this way. I mean, in England, we've been missing out on Emma's commentary, so I don't know what she's been chatting about because she's on ESPN in the US. But we do know that Emma loves to nick Serena's ideas, so I really wouldn't put past her (laughs) because since Serena became England manager, we've seen Millie Bright be played up front for Chelsea. We've seen Frank Kirby take corners for Chelsea, both things which did not happen before. I mean, the, the problem is, is if you shift... Chelsea, so there's number 10 in the system. Surely you still play Panila there. I think Fran works as a 10 for England because there, she doesn't have the relationship with the center, English centre-forward in the way that she has a relationship with Sam Kerr. And while Sam Kerr's at the club, I think you always want Fran up alongside her, whether that's specifically at right wing in a three or even in a 4-4-2, um, but like closer to her than maybe you would a traditional 10. And I just think... Sam and Fran's relationship is just so far beyond almost any footballing relationship you see that it's like a very unique situation. Makes sense. I can I can agree to that. So kind of, you know, moving on, um, we've obviously got nothing to see. We've got, well, we've not got anyone to see really from, from Group B. I mean, Ankat, I mean from, from Ankat from Berger at Germany and Group B is is really like, she's just been a, a bench warmer so far. And Penelope Hart has kind of had a slightly mixed, you know, mixed fortunes with her two games. Um, you know, Tracy, Jesse bumped into you in, at Brentford ahead of that first Germany-Denmark game. What, you know, what have you made of Penelope Harder when you, when you guys were there and, and, and from what you saw? She's looked so frustrated. She has that sort of, you can tell when, when, when things aren't going her way. It's almost like someone stamping their feet really heavily on the ground. Um, it's, it's all well and good being a fantastic footballer, and we know she is, but you need the strong team around you to help you. You can't do it all on your own. Um, and you also need the ball given to you. And if the ball's not given to you, what, I don't know what you're meant to do. I wasn't expecting that scoreline, though. Obviously, when we did meet up before the game, I really wasn't expecting uh, that to happen. Again, one of those scores, you're like, okay, wasn't expecting that. Um, again, another player that maybe, you know, Next game just shows a complete different class. I mean, there's looking at every game that I've watched, I've been there or I've watched every game so far. There's been some teams I was expecting more of and you've just got to look at Sweden um, where, you know, it feels like they're just chugging along and trying to get over the line. And I think that's definitely, that was definitely Denmark's problem. But again, we've, they've got, we've got one game to go and, We'll see. I can't. I'm. I'm there on on Saturday night, so <laughs> it's going to be a really interesting game of football. I can't wait, actually. Big big game, but Jesse straight shootout between Spain and Denmark on Saturday as to you know who faces England in the quarterfinals. What are you saying? Where where are we at? Where, who who are you feeling? Who are you feeling ahead of this game? Bring either of them on. Is how I'm feeling yeah. from an English perspective. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> from a. Uh, Putting my real football hat on perspective, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Um, I was at Germany, Spain, and it, it that was one of the games I was really looking forward to ahead of the tournament, and it was pretty rubbish, to be honest, because Germany just totally shut Spain down. But I think this one could be more fun because I think both Spain and Denmark aren't very good. Um, I still think Spain have the edge just because I think there is more quality in the team, but... I've said this all tournament, in every game she's played, you can never, ever, ever write off Benilla Harder. She can just make things happen. And, you know, she obviously got the goal against Finland. It's not her most beautiful goal. It was a headed tap in. But the way she screamed down the camera after 
she scored it you know she loves leading that team basically and and she will lead it and I do still think that you know that's something that Spain are missing at the moment you know obviously they've they've lost Alexia who she she's not quite as demonstrative as Penila ever is but she is the same kind of she has the same kind of role within that Spain team and I don't think we've really seen anyone from Spain truly step up. I think there's been points where Mappy Leon's kind of looked like that player, and I think it's going to be fun seeing Panila up against Mappy. Um, but yeah, I, I I honestly can't really call it. I think, yeah, because the fact that Spain only need a draw, and look, the quality in that Spain team is unreal. Like, we shouldn't even be talking about the fact that Denmark might beat them. But the theme of the tournament, mind. their manager's a dumbass. <laughs> it comes up a lot. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> You just don't know. It's one of those games you, I, you, for me, you, you were going to put money on it. You presume Spain were actually going to do it again because, as you say, the quality they've got across the team. But you can't knock uh, goals that are just tapped in. <laughs> it doesn't matter how they go in, does it? It doesn't matter if it's a spectacular goal. It doesn't matter if the ball goes across the net. And you know, when she ran up to the camera and screamed, I think that was a, I've scored at the same time. Every bit of frustration was in that camera literally just letting it all go at that one point. Um, that could give them the big lift that they need. You just, you, you really, you really don't know. I think it's going to be an interesting game. It's interesting because I think maybe not at Chelsea so much, but a little bit at Wolfsburg and, and obviously earlier with Denmark, it, it almost feels like Penela's career to some extent has always kind of been like, she's the one man show that's pulling the team. She's the talismanic figure. She's pulling the team through and at Wolfsburg, it worked. She she got them titles and then she got them through. Um, obviously, Denmark went to a Euro final a few years ago, the last Euros. Obviously, lost out to the Netherlands. Um, but, you know, you, you could almost argue that they're, at least in the, in the front line, they've, they've got a couple of decent players. But, but you know, Jesse, what do you think it is about this Danish side that isn't, that, that where, why they're not able to kind of gel and, and go through is, is it a case of the Sam Fran Panilla issue that we had at the beginning when they first signed that Denmark have is it a formation issue what do you think I think they try and put too much through Panilla I mean they've also had this thing obviously like Nadia Nadim's been a really big player for them and she's missed a ton of time through injury and she's just kind of turned up and had to go back into the team Senior Brun I just don't understand why she's hyped as highly as she is like it, I just don't get it at this point in time like I kind of understand why it was there, but I just think she's like underperformed on a number of levels for quite a, quite a while. Um, I don't understand why Carolina Muller Hansen wasn't in the side. So I, it just doesn't feel like a great mix of players. And even, you know, after the Germany loss, he then drops like Sophie's father, who I didn't even think was that bad. And it just feels like, and again, it's a theme that this is a manager who not only doesn't really know how best to put his players together, he also doesn't really know how to create a group mentality among them. And that thing of like just kind of dropping players and switching stuff up, like all of that, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me ultimately. And yeah, I mean, I think it's really clear how you look at like teams like Portugal who I think have really overperformed in this tournament and you compare them to a team like Denmark. And for me, that kind of group mentality and that belief in each other and also like a, a forgiveness that like, if you make an error, that's okay. 
that's something that I don't see in this Danish team. And I think, you know, that that has a performance effect, ultimately. It's just not cohesive at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can I can agree with the, with both your, your viewpoints. Well, moving on to Group C, um, obviously both Magda Eriksson, Sweden, and Anik Nawaz, Netherlands have been making it, making rough work of it all. Um, Tracy, you know we've seen Eriksson played in a back three and at left back for Sweden. You know what have you made of her in those positions and and Sweden in general? They've been poor. I think Sweden in general have been quite poor. Uh, I'm sort of glad that the the penalty was overturned. She did barely barely touch the ball. Um, I was like, no, it's not a penalty. Thank God it wasn't. Um, she was so like, funny at that moment, the way she marched up to the referee. Yeah. Like, I was like, if I was the ref, I'd be overturning this right now. <laughs> so if that was a walk of I mean business here. Oh, that is not a penalty. Um, I, no, Magda's fantastic. I mean, obviously, yeah, we're going to scream about it because she's our captain, but... Um, I just there's 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 problems again. I, I don't think it's a cohesive problem again at Sweden. You know, this is a team that you'd expect to be doing far better than they are. They look like they're struggling to do the very basics. And I don't know. I think sometimes, like like what we've just said about England, I think you know you stick to a game plan, you stick together, and you stick to a formation, and it, it's just not happening at Sweden. And I'm shocked because I, I mean, I, I do love the Swedes. I absolutely do, both men's and women's. Actually, I absolutely love watching them, um, and they normally do very well against England. To be fair, um, but for me, there's just something I can't quite put my ultimate finger on what it is. But it's just, it's just not working for them. But they're one of those sorts of teams that can turn it around. To be fair. Yeah, I mean they they've they've got the I think they've got the pedigree and they've got the the, the, the class them, but it just it just seems like. You know, there's 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 a lot of teams, Jesse, that that haven't you know haven't gotten it together just yet in the first two games of the tournament. You obviously someone like look at France. I mean, we're going to see them like an hour from from when we're recording now for kickoff against Belgium. But you look at France, you look at England. You know, you look at these teams like they just seem to have it together. It is so cohesive. Everything is clicking. It's working. You can see the the, the philosophy on the pitch. You know. Uh, and, you know, and for Sweden against, you know, um, yeah, the Netherlands, you know, it was a tough 13 minutes of football, especially for, you know, Anik Nawa, you know, she was nutmegged by Aslani, you know, for the opener before going off with an ankle injury, um, you know, so it, it's it's been tough for a lot of these teams and a lot of these players. But do we have any update on, on Anik Nawa's injury and whether she's going to be fit for the next game? Yeah, that nutmeg was really, like, it literally happened, like, I was in, like, the third row, and it literally happened, like, directly in front of me, and I felt really sorry for her. It was really brutal. Um, yeah, I mean, Kosovare Aslani's going to do Kosovare Aslani's things. Uh, and it, Netherlands were all over the place. It's a lot to put, I think, you know, the pressure it feels like there is on Anik now within that team is, like, really intense, given her age. Um, she's... Stayed with the team. Um, she was out and about ahead of the Portugal game, obviously not in the squad. Uh, so they're obviously confident she will be back at some point. Like, I don't think it's it's a really serious thing. But, I mean, to- taking a bit of a step back from it, I do think they're kind of better off having Dominique Janssen in, in that role, just kind of coming back to what I was saying. Like, I think it's a lot of pressure on Anique to kind of, it feels like, be one of the leaders there. And, you know, I think... Sorry, Van Vienendal is like quite a nervous goalkeeper to have to play in front of. She's obviously now out of the tournament, but then they've got um, 
this 22-year-old goalkeeper in instead. So I just think that whole Dutch defence is like quite stressful and it doesn't really surprise me that Anik's maybe struggled to to play in that. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great wasn't a great moment for her blaster. I hope I hope she comes back and gets a bit more like better football because she's been really important for this, this Dutch team, you know, because Dutch team have had nightmares in World Cup qualifying and there have been points where like Anik stepped forward and like got the assist. In, in games where they really needed to get like an equaliser and stuff. So she's a really important part in this Dutch team, but it's also been like a big ask for her, I think, this this tournament. Yeah, and it doesn't help that um, at Chelsea she's been playing in a three and then she has to play in a, in a four, you know, in a back to four for uh, for the Netherlands. And, you know, coming in and, 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 and kind of having, like you said, being the leader next to Stephanie van der Gaat and, 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 you know, kind of going forward. Though, to be fair, I feel like, there are moments with Anik in, in 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 especially in the in the, the Sweden game where she covered she covered her space behind her. She cut out a few crosses. There were moments there where you're like, there's a there's a really good defender right here, but maybe it's almost too much too soon. And maybe if they played a three, she'd be really, really good and perfect to play with maybe Jansen and Van der Gaat. But you know, it is what it is. But um our new signing, Yves Perisset, is part of the French team that smashed Italy 5-1. You know, we're gonna see her again, you know, later tonight in like an hour or so. Tracy, initial thoughts on Eve Perisay and kind of what she's going to bring to Chelsea based on what you've seen so far. Oh, I thought she was brilliant, to be fair. Uh, she was so... Obviously, that was the one player I was, like, almost glued to. I was like, I just wanted the camera on her the whole entire game because, really, that, for me, was the whole point of watching the French, to be honest. I just had someone I just wanted to focus on. Didn't disappoint at all. Um, touches on the ball, amazing. Passes. I mean, it just, just her overall game was exactly what you what you want. And look, look, she's come to us for a reason. Emma Hayes is a master at this. She knows what she's doing. She's seen this talent. She really is talented. Um, I'd like to, to see more of her. I think there's, I've had lots of people ask me, do you know much about her? To be fair, I was like, just watch, just watch the French game. You know, see what she's about yourself rather than asking me questions. Actually get, get on TV, watch the game. Don't just watch the England games for the Euros. For the love of God, watch more um, and actually see what she's like. I was impressed. I was very impressed. So great side. And of course, Emma Hayes, you know, she knows what she's doing. She does. It's Emma Hayes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Eve Perisay yeah, was was absolutely fantastic in that game, and and, and I think everyone's kind of you know, looking forward to seeing more of her in in the in the blue of Chelsea. But that's kind of it's kind of it with that section. We've covered everything. But before we move into kind of the final section, uh, and 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 talking about spying on other teams, we're going to take a quick ad break. Ad break, and we'll be right back. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG One because well. It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in, you know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we gotta add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it, 
it it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we're back thanks to the sponsors once again. And as we all know, we're kind of continuing to cover the men and women's game, uh, transfer window, preseason, Euros, everything throughout the summer. So keep an eye out for some fantastic content coming through over the next couple of weeks. But now we move on to the section aptly named Keeping Up with the Joneses uh, as we now look into kind of our major rivals in, in Arsenal and Manchester City and kind of who they've been bringing in and who's going out and kind of where we see things happening. Um, Jesse, kind of let's start with Arsenal here. What have they done this summer? Because besides the obvious massive deal to tie down Miedema to another one-year extension, um, what, 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 have, what has Arsenal been up to? Nothing as far as I can see. <laughs> it's uh, it's a bit of an odd one. I mean, listen, the the man you need to be following if you want to know what Arsenal boss is, is Tim Stillman. And Tim Stillman seems confident that stuff is going to happen. But I don't know when. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very quiet on that front. I think, to be fair, they obviously made a lot of signings in January. You know, Stina Blackstinius, Lara Wienreuter, who incidentally I thought was really good in the um, game against England, uh, playing for Austria. Uh, then she got COVID, so she missed the next one. But um, So I think maybe there's been a bit of focus to, to like, push those players more, which is, which is fine. But, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Fair. Um, Tracy, I kind of just touched on it now. Miedema making that that extension. What do you kind of make of Miedema sticking around in the league? And, and what does that mean for I'm Arsenal? Really what does that mean so for Chelsea? I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. Oh, she's really staying. Oh, we were all going to throw a farewell party. And I'm going to put that on hold? Really? I mean, admittedly, when she plays that she doesn't tend to show up. Um, she comes on. Definitely finals, sings the anthem, walks off, you know, that sort of thing. She doesn't tend to really come out. Then she'll go and sit in the dressing room for 90 minutes and then she'll come back out. And like, yeah, I am an Arsenal player. Um, I, I, I really did, as you can tell, um, I didn't want her to stay. So I'm slightly gutted that she has. Um, I'm just, I'm just really not a fan. I'm, I, I'm really, really not a fan. I'm sure she's lovely. Um, but, I really don't see the big deal about her at all. I think there's far better players. Tracy dropping the hot takes. Here we go. This is what the off-season is for. Viviana Minima overrated. You heard it here on London's Blue First. 
That's a first. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be some Arsenal fans wanting my neck for that. I can tell you. But to the I mean, if they're listening to London is Blue, I've got some questions for them. But yeah. <laughs> it's amazing because actually they will make comments about like podcasts of ours and stuff. You're like, hang on. Are you actually all that desperate? You're actually sitting Living there listening to free. Living rent you know, free. End of the day. But no, I'm, I'm big enough to say I think she's overrated. I don't think she's overrated. Um, and I think it is a shame she's staying at Arsenal for Chelsea fans. But I, 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 from a footballing perspective, I'm kind of intrigued to see the Vivstinius, you know, how that glows up. I think Arsenal have bigger problems generally. Um, look, they've had Viv Miedemar in the team for the past, what, four seasons? And they've won the league once in that time. So it's not the be-all and end-all for that club. Um I think she's great. I like watching her. So I'm happy she's staying in the league. And do you know who I really hate? Barcelona. And it was funny Barcelona missing out on her. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts on this one. <laughs> I know. I mean, let's be fair. We all hate Barcelona. So, <laughs> to be honest, I'm a Barcelona fan. So. You you win some, you lose some. Like, I guess that's yeah. the moral of this last, you know, three-minute rant here. But, you know, also missed out on their main target, uh, Geese? Ferreira, if JC. I said that correctly. You say it Jace, like Jesse, but Ferreira. with a fun accent. JC. <laughs> ah, JC Ferreira. You know what? So that's your, so that's your foreign foreign yeah. accent name, right? She's going into my, you know, Jess Carter, Jess Park, Jesse Fleming, JC Ferreira, five-a-side team. JC Ferreira. Jesse Park Humphreys. That's it. We're the five. I might have to call you JC Park. We'll take it. I can cool, be Brazilian. So. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Just just got the flair and everything. All right, so Jason Ferreira kind of went to Barcelona instead of Arsenal, while Nikita Paris, Simone Boy, Victoria Schneiderbeck, and Lydia Williams have seemingly all moved on or are about to move on. Jesse, where do Arsenal need to strengthen? Sorry, uh, Gacy, where do, where do Arsenal <laughs> need to strengthen here? <laughs> yeah, I did think it was funny when Barcelona signed JC after she was like meant to be Arsenal's big target because it felt real like, oh, you're keeping Viv Miedemar? Well, we're going to sign JC Ferreira. And to be honest, I don't think she's that good. So I was like, you guys can fight over her. Um, but she did score a lot of goals, but the underlying numbers weren't like amazing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of players moving on, obviously, and I don't think any of them are real losses to Arsenal from, from that four. Um, we'll always have that amazing... Lydia Williams game where she just passed the ball to our forwards at Kings Meadow. Um, not last season, but the season before. That was an enjoyable one. In terms of where they need to strengthen, I think they probably do need some kind of winger slash forward to have lost. I mean, she didn't play many minutes, but they have lost Tobin Heath, obviously. Again, Nikita Paris didn't play loads of time, but look, Beth Mead is hopefully going to play a million games this summer. Um, as she leads England to the Euro title. So she's not necessarily going to come back fit and firing. And it's quite a lot of um, pressure, I think, on those forward players. I also think it will be interesting to see what kind of happens with the Jordan Nobbs, Mano Ibuchi. Like, they don't really play at all. Jonas doesn't seem to like them. I feel like Arsenal are still going through a bit of a transition from Montemura players to Idaval players. And I think that's why it surprised me that they've been so slow in the transfer market. Because even though they bought people in in January, it feels like there's lots of players that Idaval really doesn't like. And they haven't really seemed to move to sort that out. Um, equally, I would be a bit worried about them centre-back-wise. Because I know they're like going big on Rafaeli and, and she did look good in the games she played. 
but she also missed a huge chunk of the season. So, you know, I think Lotta could be good, but she's still not really shown it. Jen Beatty is not good. Sorry, Jen. And Leah is obviously very good. But that still, to me, is a bit of a... Mm, I'd be kind of concerned about that. Fair enough. I mean, I think that's as much that can be said on the very limited business that our Arsenal have done so far. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have Gareth Taylor and Manchester City, who've been very, very busy with not just incomings, but outgoings as well. I mean, let me just quickly read kind of the business that they've done so far. Um, they've brought in... You know, Dana Castellanos from Atletico Madrid. They've got Leda Joabi from, from Barcelona. Laia Alexandri from Atletico Madrid. Mary Fowler from Montpellier. And Sandy McKeever from Everton. While they've let go of Caroline Weir to Real Madrid. Lucy Bronze gone to Barcelona. Uh, Karima Taib is off on a free. Uh, Jill Scott's off on a free. Uh, George Stanway has gone to Bayern Munich. Karen Barnsley's retired. And Janine Becky moved to Portland Thorns earlier in, in the window. I mean, listen, it's been a lot busier up in Manchester with loads of exits and obviously loads of incomings, like we've said. I mean, let's start you know, going with the list of players that I've just said that are leaving, Tracy. Who do you think is going to be kind of the biggest loss for Manchester City? Do you know what? It's like a mass exodus out there, isn't it? It's like all change, ding, ding, and everyone just goes like that. I mean, it's an absolute rebuild, what's going on uh, up a city. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean all of a sudden they're all going to come out of the, the blocks running. Um, there's going to be a lot of players that really need to embed themselves into the squad. Um, look, let's let's talk Lucy Bronze. What someone of her experience brings to a squad um, is not just what's on the pitch; it's what what she can do within a dressing room. Um, so I think from that point of view as well, you know, where you have experienced players like Lucy, I think that losing someone like that, I think, can actually you know, sort of break up the morale of, of, of a national dressing room. I think Georgia Stanway uh, going, I mean, she's, uh, that's a nice big move. So uh, I think uh, Frank should be missed. I think there's, I just think there's, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested actually to see how Man City are going to look at, at the start of the season. Um, as I said, we played them what, third game in um, and I couldn't possibly tell you what they're even going to look like and how they're going to even line up. So it does make, make an interesting it's going to make an interesting watch being at, being at Kings Meadow for that game. But um, I, I don't know. I think when you look at everyone who asked, if I just, there's, Lucy Bronze is more than just a player. I just think the experience um, that she can bring into a team, um, I think that will be missed. But I've heard so many rumours about people not getting on with a certain manager that uh, <laughs> I've heard so much like, Ooh. okay, well, they're all leaving. I and mean, it literally is in that mass exodus. So, um, but big names coming in. Um, but we all know when you when you rebuild a team, it that it may not work straight away. So they may take some time to uh, all gel together. Uh, only time will tell. Um, obviously, you look at the start they had last season, and I, I don't think you know. I don't think anyone can believe how bad their start was. But then you look at the end of the season, and they won went on a really good run. So and then everyone left. So I'm surprised you haven't got the cleaner on. Uh, for the first game of the season, we'll see. You know, but they might, they might do. To be fair, I don't think Gareth can survive another start like that. If, <laughs> you know, if 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 it does come to it. Um, but let's move on to the players that are coming in. Um, this suggests some high-profile, high-quality players coming in from, especially from the Spanish league. 
Um, kind of who's who's going to make the biggest impact, you know, in your opinion, from from the five names that that I've just listed. I think there are two really standout signings for me. One is Lie Alexandri, but I'm still kind of intrigued to see how she fits into this team. And the other is Mary Fowler and Ditto. I think that's yeah. kind of been some of the funny thing about these signings is City aren't really short on players, apart from they've got this midfield exodus. Um, but they haven't really signed any obvious midfielders. Like Mary Fowler kind of can play there, but normally plays further forward. Lyle Alexandri can play there, but normally plays further back. And then Dana Castellanos, very hyped, but she has City written all over her, like very hyped. But I put it this way. I think Dana Castellanos, if she was under a really good manager, like there's a lot of talent there to develop, but I don't believe Gareth Taylor has the ability to develop that talent. So don't think that's going to be a massive hit. I mean, this could all be free for all, but whatever. If you can't say this stuff in the off-season, when can you? Um, and then Leila Wahabi, again, I don't really understand. Like, I think Leila Wahabi is a fun woman. She seems like good crack, but you're literally signing a player who Barcelona decided they would prefer to play a winger in her position than play her. To do what? Sit behind Demi Stokes? <laughs> I just it just doesn't make sense to me. Like that's why I said I don't know how the hell they are going to line up next. I can't even imagine right now how that team is even going to look. Um, I think it's gonna it, be like five defenders, Kira <laughs> Walsh and Vibes, five attackers. <laughs> I mean really. That's it. I, like there's it. no they haven't got it. They lost all their midfielders and they haven't bought any new midfielders. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I guess they can play I keep forgetting, they bought Philippa Angledown, they're literally in player. So maybe they will play Philippa Angledown now. That would be a good idea because she is good at football. And maybe they will play Mary Fowler as an eight, because I think she looks she can be fine as an eight too. But it's stretch. Yeah, and, and, and like like I said, Laya plays a lot as a number six. Like Laya is, is is a defensive midfield, and then and then Dana can play as a ten. So I mean, literally, like they're just like using. Oh, you're all versatile players. You can all play eight, ten, and six. So yeah, like they can all play eight, ten, and six. So like I, I you know what though, the the minute they were linked with Leila Khabi, I literally was like, I was I was texting uh, Om uh, you know for another show, and and I and I said, listen, I think City are moving to a three four three. This this spells a three at the back. You know, all the, because you move maybe a Demi Stokes into a left centre back role. You can play Laya, you can play Steph, or you can, you know, or, or you know, Alex Greenwood's there as well. Obviously, you play Layla as a left wing back where she's not able to kind of screw up defensively because obviously that was a problem that she had in Barcelona. And then you you obviously got Kira Walsh and 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 Philippa Angadal playing in the double pivot. And then obviously you can play Dana. Uh, Alan White and then maybe Bunny Shaw or whoever else you want to play, uh, you know, Lauren Hemp and all these players up front. So I think it's a 3-4-3. But anyway, that's just my reading of the situation. Um, but Tracy, I want to talk about one signing that they recently, probably their latest signing, but it probably is the one that even makes, even doesn't make more sense than any of the other signings is the signing of Sandy McKeever. I'm still surprised. Why has... 
Sandy McKee have gone to Man City? What, what do you make of it? I have absolutely no idea. I don't. I, none of their, as we've said, none of their decisions are buying. I mean, who's actually making the decisions there? Who, who sat down and gone, okay, these players would be really, really good. But we've got rid of all of our midfielders. But I mean, who, who, who is going to be good in our team? Do you know, we'll just pick teams around Europe and we'll just go, we'll have her from that team, her from that team. And then we'll just throw them together and we'll see what we do. It can't be as bad as the start last year. I, I have no idea. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to be a fly on the wall with the decision makers at Man City. I really would on, on what their long-term team looks like because several of the buys haven't made sense. And this is just one of, actually the whole pretty much list, I mean, to be quite honest, you just look at how it's going to work. And I do think they're going to have to change formation. I really do. Um, I mean, from a City perspective, Sandy McIver is one of the only ones that I think does make sense because for City, it's a fantastic deal. You've got a goalkeeper who two years ago we were all talking about as potentially replacing Ellie Roebuck as England's number one now as your backup. That's a fantastic deal. I just don't understand why Sandy McIver wants to go and play second string to Ellie Roebuck because that's what's going to happen to her. So for City, I'm like, well done, sure. Like, going from Karim... Tahi Benamur to Sandy McIver. Okay, Sandy McIver was awful last season, but I think we all know the qualities there. That is a serious upgrade, but... Honey, you're like 22 or something. Like, go and be a first-team goalkeeper. Like, I know you had a shit season at Everton. That club is wild. You're so much better than... Like, Wait. when are you going to overtake Eddie Roebuck? She's the yeah. same age as you. I don't know, like... Yeah. Go to United or something. Mary Earps is like 30, so... Yeah, I agree. We, at that age, we'd want to just be gaining experience. I mean, really. I mean, why? Yeah, I, I have no idea who's making those decisions. But you know what? At the end of the day, while they're all trying to work out where they're meant to be playing, Chelsea can just plod, plod along and just keep getting their three points while they're trying to work that out. So it's absolutely fine. Could have even stayed at, at Everton with the new manager and just kind of seen how that went because the worst case scenario, you're still playing 90 minutes every week and getting that experience there. I mean, you look at Hannah Hampton, she's at Aston Villa, right? not the best team in the world, but first team football and, and doing it there. But anyway. And Hannah Hampton's England's sec second choice goalkeeper now. So yeah. Exactly. She's she she's beaten Eddie Roebuck as, as the second choice goalkeeper who plays for City. So I mean, really, Sandy, you should be like looking at your peers and being like, Maybe I should stick to Everton. I don't know. Um, so obviously, Jesse City had a very slow start to last season. You know, how much of a threat do you think we should see them as this season? Are they going to have a similar start? You know, like we touched on, or is, or are they actually going to get it together in the first few weeks, and and we're going to have a tough game in that third game of the season? I mean, look, last year I said the City were going to win the league, so that was stupid. I, I'm weighing up whether that was my worst take or that France weren't going to get out of their group at the Euros, like. Guys, if anyone wants to vote with me on which was my worst take, it was one we're gonna of those hear two. that at, at the World it Cup. We're gonna two. hear that at the World Cup next year as well. We're gonna hear that at the World Cup next year as well. Sometimes it doesn't happen. You have to put the bad ones out to get the good ones right. Um, so, but no, I I don't really see City as a threat. I think watching them this season, I just feel like. Gareth Taylor is is like quite actively bad. Um, obviously they did beat us in the Conti Cup, and I think they will always have, you know, they're a club with money to spend. They will always have the kind of individual quality to 
to win one-off games, but over the course of a season, I just don't really see it happening for them. And I think it's a very, very big test for Taylor to integrate all of these extra players. We saw that he wasn't very good at doing it last year. Like, if you look at the core of that team who kind of carry City through the end of the season, it it's a long-term set of players. And I think, you know, kind of to lose Bronze, Stanway, Weir, like, that's, that is a lot to to figure out how to fix. I mean, you still have Lauren Hemp, and she's a cheat code. And maybe if he plays Bunny Shaw this season... She's also an exceptional striker, but they just shoot themselves in the foot. Like, I don't understand why you... I still don't understand why you sign Bunny Shaw and, and don't play her. Like, that's why I thought Man City were going to win the league, because I was just like, Bunny Shaw could easily go and, you know, outscore Sam Kerr. Like, she's got that ability. Like, she is that level of striker, in my opinion, but that's fine. If you want to play Ellen White, be that's my fine. guest. Yeah. <laughs> they miss offside all the time. It's okay. For Man City... Yeah, and not to forget, she was just behind Katoto in the scoring charts, and we know how good Marie Antoinette Katoto is. Um, but kind of like this, this quickly, last thing elsewhere in the league, are there any other clubs who've kind of done good business this summer, Jesse, or anyone that's done bad business? And is there a, is there a threat to the top three from, from anyone? Manchester United, Everton, Brighton, Tottenham, question mark. I think Tottenham are a team who I think have done good business. Um, I've been impressed with their signings, but I still think their big issue will continue to be that they don't have a consistent striker. And I think until they sign someone to fill that position, that's probably going to continue to be the case. Also, think Liverpool look actually in a good position. I don't think they're going to threaten like top three, but I think, you know, being able to pick up players like Julie Flaherty, Emma Coy Visto, like they seem good signings. Brighton I worry for because they've lost a lot of good players and so far they've replaced them with Poppy Pattinson, which maybe the less said there, the better. Uh, I think the thing that will be interesting, maybe the team I'm most intrigued to see will be Everton because they signed a load of really good players. We all thought they were going to do really well. It all went Pete Tong, but lots of those very good players are still there. Like they Like they've lost... Claire Emsley, but, you know, we've seen Hannah Benison doing Hannah Benison things. Um, you know, they've still got Natalie Bjorn, Anna Ambergard, um, even Tony Duggan, I still think do a job, to be totally honest. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what they're like under Brian Sorensen. I think they're maybe the most interesting question mark of, of the sides in the league. Fair enough. And kind of with that, I think we can, we're at the end, it's been a good episode. Um, thank you again, Jesse, for, for always being here. And, and Tracy, it's been great having you on and getting your your hot takes and 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 your. I, 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 I think you know I'm going to get it in the neck if anyone does hear that it isn't a uh, Chelsea fan. My media demands. <laughs> you know, I just I, it's fine. Sorry, it's fine. I just I just don't. See. No, it's good. We can. We, we can chalk it down to intelligent Arsenal fans doing the same thing by just scouting ahead and just kind of seeing what's happening on the Chelsea side of things and biggest rivals and whatnot. But listen, thanks, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, you know what? We've got my hand. We'll, we'll see you soon. Bye.